and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks so much for being here. If you haven't subscribed to the Mike Broomhead Show podcast, please do it. We invite you to do it. It's simple, easy on any of your devices. Never miss a minute of the show. It's the Mike Broomhead Show podcast brought to you this week by Carol Royce Keller Williams Realty East Valley. Get a higher price selling your home and guaranteed offers by going to higherprice.com. That's higherprice.com. So the conversation, there's there's so many different levels to the conversation on immigration, and they're all I don't dis I don't discount anybody's point of view. I don't. Um, it is overtly political, and if you are someone that thinks that governors DeSantis, Abbott, and Ducey are horrible people for what they're doing politically, I would say to you that there are a lot of people on the other side of the aisle that see what Mayor Adams in New York and the mayor of DC and Mayor Lightfoot in Chicago are doing exactly the same thing. Um, they are playing a political game here as well. So let's at least set this down and say, you know, you call yourself a sanctuary city. Let's go with Chicago. You call yourself a sanctuary city. And then when people show up at your doorstep, you lament the fact that they're being sent there. You put them on buses and you send them to the suburbs. I don't know how you can say that's any different than what's being done to you. The point that's being made by these governors is that we are being overwhelmed. We are being overwhelmed. Um, and when you talk about Martha's Vineyard being a small community, it's a wealthy community. Now, that's not a bad thing. I'm someone that's a champion for wealthy people. It is a wealthy community. It may not be very big, and it probably isn't, but neither is Yuma. Neither is Del Rio, Texas. These are not big communities. Then we have to talk about the human aspect of it. And I, I want to talk about something that's currently going on and something that's been going on for a long time. And why I am such a detractor of what's happening at our southern border. Um, we have taken up the topic of what's now called the Dreamers. President Obama, with the with the DACA, with the the Dream Act, protected. There were people that were protected under this Dream Act, and they were given temporary status. But this was by an executive order, not by legislation, so it could be changed. President Trump tried to change it, and was was argued and and stopped by the Democrats in the Congress. And there has been no permanent solution for what's going to happen to these people. Um, I respect what's happening with the Dreamers, who they are. Uh, these are young people that were brought here by their parents, not by any fault of their own. So you can fault their parents for coming to this country illegally, but you can't fault the children. I don't think that's an American principle at all. These are young people that were educated in American schools. They are, by virtue of everything else in their life, Americans, and they want to contribute. They want to go in the military. They want jobs. They want to go to college, and I respect them for that. That doesn't mean that everybody that's a dreamer that is hiding under that protection, and there are some that are hiding under it, have any business being in this country, that they are criminals. But that's the mixed bag of life. You're not going to find that anywhere else. So I'm not going to demonize the dreamers. There's no need should we ever demonize the dreamers. But they are an example of everything that is wrong with our immigration system. So when you hear me scream for the better part of the almost three years I've been on the air here about illegal immigration, this is why. This is why. Because what we've done, and this is Republicans and Democrats have done, is playing politics with this issue. In the meantime, the problem is growing. A couple of million people in two years have come into this country. 
We are creating the same problem for our children and grandchildren that it was created for us by our parents with the immigration laws of the past. We are wrestling with what to do with the dreamers. And the reason why I bring this up is there's a headline from AZ Central saying two-thirds of voters in Arizona believe that dreamers are entitled to in-state tuition. If you graduated from Arizona school and you've been in the state for over two years, you should have in-state tuition no matter what your legal status is. Now, I would have a little bit of a disagreement with that, but in principle, I will tell you that we as Americans are not sending these people anywhere, nor should we as Americans. They were raised in our country. They were brought here not against their will, but it certainly wasn't their doing, and they are Americans, And we have a certain set of morals that I believe we stand by that we've allowed families to put down roots. These kids, for all intents and purposes, are Americans. We are not going to send them somewhere else. But what we are doing, they should be a shining example of the quandary poor immigration enforcement and poor immigration laws put us in these positions because of these real human beings. Why are we not fighting for a better system at the border? And I don't mean fighting amongst ourselves about building a wall. By the way, there are stories out now that the wall in southern Arizona, construction has begun again on the wall in southern Arizona during the Biden administration, quietly building the wall because we cannot handle what's happening. Not just the people that are dealing with the immediate needs. It's not just the not having enough border agents to process people or having enough humanitarian aid to to feed and clothe and house people. It's not that. It's the long-term effects. It's five years down the road, 10 years down the road, 15 years down the road. So you have families that come over with young children. Let's say they have children, three children under the age of five. In 15 years, at least one or two of those children are going to be adults. Now, hopefully, I'm not going to be dealing with that issue, but my grandchildren will be because my my oldest grandson is 11. It's amazing to look at this. And say we are going to do nothing. We have got to wrestle with what is fair treatment for the dreamers. And we all have differing opinions. Now, I think personally, and I've said this before, and I mean, if you talk to me, have a conversation with me on or off the air. And I will say the same thing consistently about people. And I have the utmost respect for people. But how do you look at a family that's done it the right way? And say to them, we're going to give families that did it the wrong way the exact same rights and privileges that you have. There has to be an expense for the families. There has to be a designation of difference. I'm not talking about a scarlet letter. I'm not talking about something that follows them for the rest of their lives. But if you had said to the families as they brought their children, you are going to be able – you are allowed passage into the United States even though you've done it the wrong way. Put down roots, go to work, educate your children in American schools. They are going to be welcomed. But when it comes time for college, because you came illegally, it doesn't matter where you go to school, you cannot pay in-state tuition. They'll have to get loans. They'll have to get grants. They'll have to get scholarships. But the one cost that they're going to have is that they are not entitled to in-state tuition. I can't imagine any family not saying that's a great deal. We'll sign me up for that deal in a minute. And what it does is it sets some kind of standard in saying to families, if you wait and you do things the right way, we're not mistreating the dreamers. I'm certainly not insulting the dreamers. I admire them. But there has to be a consequence for for the families that come here the wrong way. There has to be a consequence. 
Now, I may be, again, I, and I'm not, this is not a hill that I'm going to die on. This isn't something that I would fight tooth and nail. I'm giving you my opinion of why I think it's not the right decision. But the bigger issue here is not tuition and in-state tuition for dreamers. The bigger issue is here we are all these years later from the DREAM Act. And I wish I knew what year the DREAM Act was enacted. Here we are all these years later. A, we haven't fixed the issue for the dreamers permanently with legislation. But worse yet, we have created another generation of second-class citizens because they're not citizens, but we're not forcing them to leave. They can stay and work, but they don't have an official status. It is not fair to them. It certainly isn't fair to the American people. And we continue to allow it to happen to the tune of a couple of million people crossing into the country. We have got to fix this problem. We have got to find a solution, and we've got to stick with it. Because if we don't, we are putting our children and our grandchildren in a situation they shouldn't have to be in. And I think it's unfair. Coming up in a moment, we always get you caught up on on Monday through Friday at 1120. It's called Did You Hear This? To catch you up on the big headlines. It happens next. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. All right, time to get you caught up on the big headlines of the day. Did you hear this? Did you hear this? Broomhead's reaction to the hottest news stories. Last night during his 60-minute interview, President Biden commented on the state of inflation. Inflation rate month to month is just up just an inch, hardly at all. You're not arguing that 8.3 is good news. No, I'm not saying it is good news, but it was 8.2 or 8.2 before. I mean, it's not, I can make it sound like all of a sudden, my God, it went to 8.2%. What are your thoughts on his comments? <laughs> um, if... If somebody, let's say the Florida governor, DeSantis, because it's in closer proximity than just any, about any other state to Puerto Rico. Um, if, if, if Governor DeSantis has said in an interview, hey, the water levels only rose a tenth of an inch in the last couple of hours as they were drowning in Puerto Rico, he would be seen as insensitive and completely out of touch. And they'd be right. Making a statement when we have inflation at a 40 year high and 60 minutes is shocked by your answer. That's everything you need to know. I just think it's an out-of-touch answer by the White House. A new study shows veteran suicide rates are higher than previously thought. According to the Veterans Administration, every single day, 17 members of the nation's active duty armed forces and veterans take their own lives. How can we better help veterans? Well, there was a, a movement years ago. It used to be 22 veterans a day committed suicide on average. So they would do things like the 22 for 22, which is 22 push-ups online. But it was a way to raise awareness. Um, there are a couple of things that need to be done. Number one, we know that it happens from isolation and sometimes mental illness. It's the wounds you can't see the people bring home from battle. But sometimes it's chronic pain when veterans don't get the care they need and they are suffering in silence and they can't get the help that they need in the medical system that causes people. And it's not just veterans that people commit suicide because of chronic pain issues as well. We need to do a better job of serving the veteran community. We need to do a better job of making sure they know that there are services available to them. But it also matters that we let people know that we respect what you've done. We don't 
don't hate what you've done. The old adages from the from the Vietnam War saying that they were baby killers and otherwise is not the way the American people feel. And we have got to change the stigma. Just because you are in the military and you are supposed to be tough and you can stand up to anything doesn't mean that you're weak if you ask for or you need help. And we should all send that message loud and clear. We respect your service. We are here if you need us. And please don't make a permanent uh, answer to a temporary problem by committing suicide. And if we can do that, maybe we can lower these rates. You are listening to Did You Hear This? We do it every day at this time to catch you up on the headlines. Yesterday, New York City Mayor Eric Adams spoke on the reasons people come to America. I will always believe that this is a country uh, where people want to pursue the American dream and there are ways it could be done correctly. How does the government ensure that the American dream is achieved correctly? Well, you've got to make sure that the immigration laws that you have in place are followed. Number one, we have to have enforcement of our laws. And then you have to have an orderly way for people to come here that makes it easier for good people. I know that nobody wants to hear this, but the ideas of the former President Trump were not bad ideas. Getting rid of chain migration. Well, I'm not talking about you bringing your immediate family once you get citizenship. But the next generation of cousins and aunts and uncles, that shouldn't be that way. And we've got to get rid of the visa lottery. How? I think it's kind of an inhumane thing to do is the luck of the draw for you to get a visa to come to the United States. We have got to have a guest worker program, and we have to have programs that allow people to come here to live the American dream more easily. And we have to have punishments for people that do it the wrong way. If we can do that, we can solve this problem and still be the America that the world admires. The NFL's witching hour was alive and well yesterday, but no team had a crazier ending than the Arizona Cardinals. Ball game! Byron Murphy picks up the ball at midfield, returns it for a touchdown, and the Cardinals win! What do you need the Cardinals to do on Sunday against the Rams to prove that they are for real? Um, I think this may be the moment where Kyler Murray... It puts everything behind him that's been said and all the doubts that he has the ability to be the franchise quarterback. Uh, I, I tweeted before this comeback happened that we should go after a, a coach like Sean Payton, who used to be with the Saints, who is now commentating on Fox. Um, and the reason why I said that is because I think this team is so loaded with talent, young talent and veteran talent mixed together, and they showed it in that second half comeback. Kyler Murray showed himself to be an absolutely elite athlete that could lead this team to the the promised land. There's no doubt about it. The way Simmons played and the way J.J. Watt played when he came back. What the Cardinals need to do next Sunday is show that they are for real. That the Cardinals that were there in the second half, with that kind of determination and that kind of uh, intensity, is going to be there for four quarters. Win or lose against the defending Super Bowl champions, they need to do that. If they do that, Cardinal fans will cheer them till the end. If they come out lackadaisical like they did in the first half, that's when Cardinal fans start to turn their back. And I think it begins ends and ends with leadership, and I want to see leadership step up. Man, it's nice to talk about football again. And and for the New York girl in there, Julia, your Jets pull off a win? Yeah, they did. You know they had a .03% chance to win that game? Yeah. They, well, let's be honest. It's the Jets. They have a .03% oh. chance of winning any game. Oh, thanks. Um, <laughs> Um, but they, the Giants won, too. Yep. It's the first time since September 27th, 2009, that the Mets, Jets, Yankees, and Giants all won on the same day. Isn't that crazy? Uh, what's crazier is I was 10 years old. Oh, sh- all right. Turn her mic off. That's it. I've had enough of that. I've had enough. Jeff Munn and I are just now just disgusted at hearing out. that. <laughs> um, but uh, congratulations to your Jets. Um, and uh, we're going to talk more. I love talking about football. Every, every uh, Monday. 
Monday, we are doing a segment with Ron Wolfley that we are calling Bird's Eye View, um, brought to you by AZ Valley Windows, one of our great sponsors, and it's a way to catch up on the Cardinal football. Um, and the last thing I'll say, and I may talk a little more at the end, speaking of leadership, Herm Edwards out as the ASU coach. Um, that's going to be an interesting outlook to see what ASU can do. They've been floundering for a long time, and I may talk about that toward the end of the show because I'm such a big football fan. Um, but coming up in a moment inflation rates in Arizona and why they're higher here than the rest of the country and a little bit more from the President of the United States talking about inflation numbers and why I thought he sounded out of touch. Next. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News. 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. A couple of headlines of what's happening. Valley Home Sales still on a roller coaster ride. This is uh, from Chandler News. Consumers show signs of uncertainty amid high inflation. The NASDAQ is up three points today. Um, you know, so there is some news out there that's uh, a little bit better, but we had a bad week. And the reason why things are bad is uncertainty. Um, it, it, if you think about it in your personal life, I think that's the way Wall Street responds to a lot of things. They just do it a lot faster than we do. They have a lot more. Uh, well, maybe not. They just have a lot more information. So when it comes to investing, but for you, you use the same set of information that they use. You're looking at the future. So you, you are talking with your significant other, or maybe even if you live by yourself, doesn't matter. And you're talking about what you're going to do or how much are we going to spend at Christmas? Are we going to go on vacation? Should I repair my car for 400 bucks, 500 bucks, a thousand bucks, or should I buy a more reliable vehicle and stop pouring money into this one? And when you come to that decision, when you're making a major purchase or you're extending yourself by putting a vacation on a credit card, you ask yourself, am I able to pay my bills? Am I sure that I'm going to have a job in six months or as sure as I can be? You want to make sure that the before I go into debt, before I buy anything major, before I make any big decisions, there are questions about the future that I have to answer. So if your job is in jeopardy, if your hours are being cut, if there are threats of your hours being cut or you just don't know, there are many people that say, I'm not necessarily going to make a major decision right now. I'm going to wait a little while and see. Or if the trend is going negative, if your hours have been cut and they're telling you they don't know when they're going to come back to normal, if that happens to you, then you just pause and you say, I'm not spending any money. I'm going to pull back. That's a recession. That's the concern that employers are looking like you look in your personal economy six months, a year down the road, and you're looking for certainty. And that's the biggest thing is uncertainty. When you lose a job, the decision's been made. Now you have to deal with the situation you're in. When they say some people are going to be laid off and you're wondering what's going to happen, that uncertainty terrifies people. So looking at what's happening with the economy, consumers are saying we don't know what's going to happen. We are very unsure. It's already the middle of September. Getting toward the end of September, we are going to have the holidays upon us faster than we can imagine. Inflation continues to rise, especially here in the Valley. Goods cost more than they did in the past, and we're talking about necessities. So it's not as if you're saying, well, I'm just not going to go out and buy the new bike or I'm not going to go out. No, you're paying more for the things you need. And so 
while we watch this happen, we wonder what leadership is doing. Now, I've been as fair as I can be, and, and I want to look at both sides because in the middle, not in the middle of the discussion, but in the middle somewhere from the extremes, a lot of times where you find the real answers. You know, the supply chain issues, ultimately, were they the Biden's fault? No, they weren't. My question was, what did they do to offset them to the degree that they could? And private industry does. This is one of my biggest arguments, and this is why I, I, um, if I had any hair, I'd yank it out. Um, private industry, FedEx, UPS, DHL, delivery companies, uh, Amazon that delivers goods, when the supply chain issues began to hit, um, Maersk, or however you pronounce that company, the one that does all the shipping from the ports in China to the rest of the world, they're a shipping company. I mean, with ships, they were chartering and buying airplanes. Because of what we were seeing with supply chain issues, you are seeing private industry that has a bottom line that they have to answer to finding solutions to the shipping industry and what was being done. What we aren't seeing is a governmental response when the war in Ukraine, everybody, you know, there's there are departments of the federal government who do what if scenarios all the time. All the time. What if this country invades that com- country? What if this country's leader is assassinated by a, a political uh, uh, opponent from another country? Where do we fall? What do we do? What do we do if this happens? And those scenarios are played out every day, all day, so that we have a plan in place. If something were to happen, we have a response ready to go as a nation. We're not scrambling for a response. When everything started to intensify between Ukraine and Russia, when it looked imminent, when it looked like it was getting bad, the questions had to be answered at our highest levels, not just with us, but with our partners around the world. You know, what is it? A third of the of the of the grain of the wheat that the world is supplied with comes from that region. What are we going to do if that place deteriorates into nuclear war or if a nuclear power plant goes sideways? What do we do with that much tainted food or the inability to get that food to market? What does the rest of the world do? How do we as Americans respond? Why did we not have a plan in place for that? What we saw happening was this food shortage and we were warned baby formula shortages. Why were we not – why didn't we move on that faster? That still – that issue still hasn't been handled. When the president of the United States flies to the port of L.A. and gives a speech, but nothing gets fixed, the border issue the same way, too little, too late. And now finally on this issue. And there's no running from it. The White House said it was transitory inflation. They got it wrong. Treasury got it wrong. The Fed got it wrong. No matter what the experts were saying to them, they responded way too slowly with way too little. And now what they're having to do is go very aggressively. And it's going to be hurtful to many people. Here in the Valley, a lot of our inflation is from growth. When people are still coming here, you know, if if we were not a destination – If we were not a destination where people were coming from all over the country to live here, we would have a much different housing market. We would not see a crash. I don't believe we would. But we would see a much more dramatic slowing of the sale of homes. Much more dramatic slowing. But we still have the pressure from the outside as people come here and look for a place to rent. If you are looking to move, if you are renting a property right now and you're trying to look at your options, what are my options for renting? There aren't many. There aren't many, which is what's keeping rent very high. If you take away those people that are relocating, you're going to see even that drop a little bit. 
So it's a supply and demand issue for sure. But people are concerned about leadership trying to do something to try to offset as much as they can. And I will say here in Arizona... It wasn't intended for this, but thank goodness for it. We have lowered taxes across the board. Your tax responsibility in Arizona is lower now than it was a couple of years ago, no matter who you are. That's helpful. Why do you think people are leaving New York? People are leaving California. People are leaving Chicago. It's because of the oppressive taxes that are there. They're going and finding out their quality of life is better doing the same thing they're doing now, even for less money in places like Florida and Texas and Arizona and Nevada. And it's just there's no way around that working. And I just hope we can get back to easing this for some people. One more segment of the show before we close it out. Oh, stick around for just a couple of moments. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Oh, little shout out to Pat McMahon in his era. <laughs> I'm taking a little shot at Pat McMahon. Um, we were just having a conversation, an interesting conversation off the air about hunting and about uh, about game management and things of that nature. And um, I grew up in a very interesting place in Southwest Florida. Um, there, there is an old. There's a song by a, by an old singer, and his name is John Anderson, called "Seminal Wind," and it talks about the plight of the Everglades. And it's about growing up in Florida. And I've been to all those places, Micanopy, and and hunted and fished and fished in a lot of those places. And um, and part of the song, he says, in the name of flood control, they uh, they dried up the land and uh, they put in a weir system in the Everglades, all because people thought they knew better than science. And and I just think we get in the way of too much. When I was a little kid, um, alligators were not endangered, but they were protected. Alligators were a protected species in the Everglades and around parts of Florida. You could not kill them. And within, I don't know, it was less than 10 years, there were so many alligators that they had become more than just – they call them nuisance alligators. If you've ever seen one, um, you aren't annoyed. You're terrified. They are they are dangerous animals. There were so many alligators that they started having open season hunting on alligators because they had multiplied so much that they were invading uh, where people lived. It wasn't that people were – the Everglades are protected. We weren't building homes in the Everglades. These were alligators that were infringing on people's properties. They were eating people's dogs. There's videos out there of alligators climbing, climbing chain link fences and, and killing people's animals. Um, now you look at the, uh, is it, I guess it's the pythons that are in there now that uh, they people buy these animals, these snakes. They get to be so big that they can't keep them. They're turning them loose in the Everglades, and now they're destroying the Everglades. They're doing the same thing. Um, so you can, you, there's got to be a balance in how we do things, looking at how we um, how we protect what we what we want here in Arizona. I will tell you that the real environmentalists are not the people that stand on some weird set of morals that make no sense. The real environmentalists are the fishermen or the anglers, I should say, and the hunters, the people that for generations have hunted the same land that want their children and their grandchildren to go and hunt with them like they did with their parents, with their fathers and their grandfathers or grandmothers and and, and their mothers. Families have done this for generations. Those are the real environmentalists. 
environmentalists, the ones that understand the balance of the herds of game animals that we have here and anywhere else in the country. This idea, and I talked earlier about this, of, of John Kerry, uh, this elitist guy flying on a private jet to an African country and lecturing them on not doing natu- natural gas projects because of the carbon footprint while he flew there on a private plane is the most hypocritical, idiotic thing I've ever heard of. Uh, these self, you know, self-indulgent people. It just get me. And I grew up working on a little island. If you ever want to go on a very cool vacation that is just beautiful, go to southwest Florida. I'm telling you, the area I grew up in, in Fort Myers, off the coast of Fort Myers, there are two barrier islands. There is Sanibel and Captiva Islands. No streetlights. No traffic lights. The the roads are literally cut into the trees in part of the island, and it is absolutely beautiful. 45% of Sanibel Island is a wildlife preserve. You can canoe and kayak, and you can come within feet of alligators. I've got pictures of me standing within three or four feet of alligators. It is the most beautiful place. You want to get back into nature and see what it's supposed to be like, go and check out a place like that. Those are the real environmentalists that live among that in that area. I have so many friends in South West Florida that hunt and fish. Those are the people that are the real environmentalists. They want to make sure that schools of fish and herds of game are available for everybody for generations to come. Not these elitist people that think that based on their book knowledge of things that they're going to fix stuff. Here in Arizona, the environmentalists that are raging about cutting out the underbrush in a forest and getting rid of the fuel that fuel, getting rid of the fuel that fuel forest fires or thinning the forest so that firefighters can actually get to where the fires are burning uh, because it's going to displace animals, owls and other things. Well, when you have a forest fire that burns thousands and thousands of acres, you've displaced those animals and killed many of them too. And then it takes 10, 15, 20 years for the forest to look anything like it did. I've told this story recently. My first uh, look, real look at what those fires can do were the rodeo and Cheddar Sky fires that happened. I was driving up to for the rodeo in Sholo. I was announcing the Sholo rodeo that year, and they didn't know if they were going to have the rodeo the 4th of July weekend because of the fires. And when I was driving up the hill, when you get up to Heber and Overgard in that area on the way like toward Taylor, when you get up in that area to see it look like a nuclear fallout. I mean, it was just decimated. It's tragic. It's tragic. And so I don't know why I got we got off on this topic off the air. We were talking about hunting and you you say, well, the hunters hate the animals and you just know nothing. And nobody said that in this room. But the idea is just so false. Those people are the really knowledgeable environmentalists that want those herds of game to last for generations. I think we need to have a more reasonable uh, conversation about environmentalism instead of the activism that we're under right now. I don't think it's valuable. Out of time for today. We'll be back tomorrow. If you want to follow me on social media, I am at Broomhead KTAR on Twitter. That's my personal account. At Broomhead Show updates you on guests and things we're doing on the show. And if you want to hit me up on Instagram, Mike Broomhead, all one word on Instagram is where you can find me. Let's stay in touch. Like I said, tomorrow morning, just after 8 o'clock, we'll have another edition of the show. I hope you can join me for part of your day tomorrow. Until then, have a great day, everyone. Back tomorrow. God bless.